You are at Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. Ooh, this one <laughs> was August 7th, 2023. Steven Bernstein and Scotty Hard, two super talents. You got to check these guys out, both of them. A lot of Bernstein stuff. Scotty is producing and engineering. and But each of them are uh, doing stuff on their own. And you hear us talk a little bit about a recent collaboration. And yeah, you want to... You want some of this stuff in your collection. And anytime they're coming through your town, you want to be there and catch these guys. And uh, Bernstein is maybe the most impressive slide trumpeter I've heard. And uh, he is also always immensely entertaining. It's always fun. It's always fun being around that guy and when he's on stage. And... Uh, yeah, they're both, and when they get together, we're having a great time. I hope you are too. If you didn't listen to parts one and two, uh, I do suggest you go back and listen to that first, but otherwise, lighten it up. Here we go. Close to him. And um, next Monday, a week from today, this man here, Rodrigo Brandao and I, will be playing on stage with Kenny at New Blue with the legend... Marshall Allen. Wow. And so people have to come out and see that because that's going to that, be... And that's Monday the 14th, right? Monday the 14th. Okay, and know what's going to happen earlier that yeah, day? Yeah, this is incredible. But earlier that day, Sex Mob with Kenny Wallison is going to record... I have five pages of unrecorded Sun Ra music that's meticulously written out in his hand from his lead sheets of the piece Images. The piece Images by Sun Ra is six pages long. What they play when they play the song Images is one page and one staff. There's another five minutes of written out music, and we're going to record the whole thing as a composition, leaving open spaces that then Marshall and Laurie Anderson are going to overdub into. Wow. Very so, cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be an, an incredible pleasure to... I work with Marshall... Um, probably 20 years ago on one on, on the second MMW record and Rodrigo did a record with him a couple of years ago that I mixed during the pandemic so and having come back into our lives and he was just down in Philly at the house yesterday and saw stuff that a lot of other people have never seen before so it, it's incredible to have like a, a an elder, a legend like that, it's a, in our lives, and and to be blessed to be able to make music with them and just experience their energy. I mean, this ninety nine years old. Yeah, no, he's. Uh, and I gotta say something to bring this into the deep focus situation. Please, we're talking about Miles, and we're talking about Miles the Fillmore. So check out what Miles is doing at the Fillmore. He's planting all the seeds right now, at this moment for all the stuff that comes next, including the fact that last time I played with Marshall was with the Sun Ra Orchestra Horns, the Sex Mob Orchestra Horns, and U2, live at the Apollo. So, and yeah. that could not have happened if it Miles, weren't for Hal. Well, that couldn't have happened if it wasn't for Hal Wildner, who put this all together, but it couldn't have happened if Miles hadn't started mixing up jazz with rock and creating this new music, like, but it's out. Like I said, this is not some easy listening music, no, man. Not this even is, a, it's, we're talking over 50 years yeah, later. 
and it's it, still and pretty put, damaged. Yeah, if somebody came out on stage and did this now, people would still their jaws would drop. Yeah, you know, if you, I mean, it's so intense and it's so, it's so meaningful and and just so take no prisoners like they're just they're just going for it whether the audience was tepid or not yeah and if you think about the fact that like the equivalent so 1970 you know that would be like maybe louis armstrong hot fives hot sevens you know like right where that right vintage or not even right it's remarkable right because because right 1970 is 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 Going back to 1920. Right, right, yeah. Well, it's, you'd be earlier than the Hot Fives. Yeah. The difference between that and now, this music is 50 years old, and if you've played it today, it would still sound like, whoa! And there's still people who have their complete misapprehensions about it. Right. But please. It's not even like it's disregarded. They're like actively... Oh, there's people who actively think this... Push against it. Yeah, against it. And yeah. don't know what it is. Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> As Lester Bowie said, it's all what you know. That's <laughs> no, exactly it's right. It's all what it's you know. It's jazz as we know it, dead. <laughs> and what did Lester say? He said, well, uh, that all depends on what you know. <laughs> it all depends on what you know. Yes, yeah, so true, so true. What? Uh, and quickly tell folks, I mean, you have, both you guys, between you, I mean, so many Bernstein, all the gigs that you're doing, the volume of recorded music that you carry behind you, and what's the best way for people to keep up with all the things you're doing? Uh, I guess, you know, if I update it, go to my website, stephenbernstein.net. I guess that's, I'm not, you know, and there's, there's a, go on the social medias. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> you're pretty good on that, though. You're oh, like, yeah, uh, right, pushing I am. out I am, there. I am pushing out there. But I'll be at a, they're doing, they're doing a Stephen Bernstein birthday bash at, at Dizzy's. But it's my 61st birthday. It's not like some kind of fancy birthday. But I think it's kind of cool because it's such a random thing to do. I, I guess it was their idea. And I was like, okay. It's like 61st birthday. It's like it's not like a big deal. It's just like another Are birthday. you going to actually play or are you going to be like the Kennedy Awards and sit, <laughs> sit up, right, sit up right. in the balcony and listen to people yeah. play your music? Well, like, like, I, I can't wait to see some kid come up with a slide trumpet. <laughs> That would be actually classic to have like um, some of the Juilliard jazz students doing sex model. That might be a, it might be time fully for that. transcribed. <laughs> What's the date? Uh, October fourth, fifth, and sixth. So fourth is uh, Millennial Territory Orchestra with uh, Catherine Russell. Fifth is Millennial Territory Orchestra, and sixth is Sex Mob. You know, we button up Sex Mob a little bit for Dizzy. So Sex Mob plays Dizzy and Nina Rota. You know, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think I don't know if we're gonna be hitting the Prince when we get there. Though we do play the Grateful Dead. Uh, with MTO when we played it Uh-oh. at at, at Dizzy's, and that was nice to have a little a little little Grateful Dead at Jazz at Lincoln Center. It's always a nice thing. What would you play? Uh, we play Black Peter. Okay, yeah, sure. And sometimes we play Ripple. I, I can hear Ripple. That. Yeah, I, I never heard that. that. Uh, <laughs> I got a October fourth. I'll be there. Uh, you, you better play Ripple then. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything you want to let the folks know about or how to keep up with you? Uh, well, I just actually. Um, ScottyHard.com got bought by some jerk <laughs> who wanted $25, $2,500 because it GoDaddy didn't renew my license properly. And I oh was, and God. so it just, they're like, well, you can't get it back now. You got to call back in 10 days. And I went back in two weeks and it was $2,500. So I'm now ScottyHard.nyc. I like that. Which I, like I think that. is kind of hip. Oh, that's cool. It's kind of hip. No, and that's where I kind of keep things going and, uh, 
you know, this sex mob is the gets hard is my latest sex mob gets hard. <laughs> or yeah, that was oh, that was the working Bruno, title we of the record. We did not use that title. We did yeah, not. Yeah, no, we got me tooed on that one. Sex mob I, the hard way. I tooed you. You didn't me too. I tooed you. You tooed me on that one. And then, um, you know, then we're doing this gig next week, which I, I hope people yeah, will come Monday, out to. Monday, next Monday, Monday the 14th. Uh, everyone go be... down to New Blue Monday the 14th. That's where I'm going to be. I'll buy you a drink. What time? Eight o'clock. It's the early show. We're at eight o'clock. Mbazi's going to be DJing on either, playing some Brazilian rarities on either side of the set. And, like uh, Besta Tattoo. <laughs> Novos Bayamos. All that, all that. Cool, cool, cool. That yeah. it's you guys. I mean, anywhere you guys show up, so it's always a party. It's always fun. We Music's try. Banging and it's just a great hang. And great know what? Crowd. I just realized I'll be at New Blue on Friday with some young people who I've never played with. Um, uh, Noah Garbedian and um, Vinny Sparaza and Caleb Curtis. And see, now my best. I. What do they call? I don't even know what they call the project. I'm so bad. And, but the other guest is um, Orrin Evans, who's one of my it's, favorites. Isn't it just called featuring Stephen Bernstein? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm really bad. I'm such a mercenary sometimes. I'm like, I'll take the gig. What's your band called? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, he told me years ago, my trumpet teacher always told me, never turn down a gig. <laughs> <laughs> but no, these, it's a great band. I just don't know what they call the band. But Orrin Evans is the other guest who's a really one of my favorite musicians so I'm, and uh, we're going to have a good good time on Friday at New so go to Friday go, go to New just Friday stay. Just, just stay, stay through just the stay weekend that's right that's it that's, that's right. it the show's called Deep Focus and we are at we're way more deep than we are focused <laughs> <laughs> that's very possible wide focus tonight broad focus it's uh, we're at the Fillmore East yeah we are we're down on 2nd Avenue and uh, the time is March 6th 1970 Miles Davis, the first time he's playing in this kind of format, he's very, maybe we can't rely on his telling of tales about uh, the audience response, but clearly he does talk about this in his autobiography. He was ready to get out of the jazz clubs and into the concert halls where the, the as you say, the culture was Culture, man. Emerging. Miles was into the culture, and that's just the way everyone, that's what's all about. And the music is You'll hear. Yeah, Here we go. Okay, so this is the rest of that set. So this is the opening of the second set that night. And uh, starting with Wayne Shorter. Yes, that Wayne Shorter solo. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Let's do it. Thank you. 
once again, please, for the Miles Davis Quintet. Thank you. A little enthusiasm there for the opening yeah. act, and, yeah. and and that was you that think was that was Bill Graham? That was Bill Graham. Oh, yeah. I know that was Bill. Graham. Yeah, that's his, you that's recognize his, his voice? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, me too. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. for yeah. sure. I've also seen like a bunch of documentaries on him, and there's on all there's a lot of Fillmore West that you can watch on YouTube now. They they filmed oh. a lot, a lot. So back during the pandemic, I would like spend like a whole night of like if I was like eight years old in Berkeley and would have gone to Winterland and watch. You can watch whole shows. His son was. Here, I think we were in the same class, huh. and Bill would. I remember him showing up here yeah. around that time. Anyway, man, that was. But we were just yeah. talking about how out that last section was yep. before Miles came in. That I mean, that that was full on out. I mean, I was out for 1970, as out for 1980, as out for 1990, out for today. I mean, they've just taken it out. Well, that's you know when you sell out. Yeah, when you sell out. <laughs> exactly. But he was selling out. He was selling out. <laughs> he was to the selling people. out. He was selling out. Probably to people. sold out better than almost anybody exactly sells out. Exactly. Then Miles. But I was also, and then the very end, we thought it was over because they played the theme. Bit, bit, bit. Oh, bop, bop. And like on live at the film where it kind of ends there, but there Ayerto plays this whole minute long freak out, and then. They join in. And they join in. It sounds like Sun Ra. You know, something that sounds like, you know, some of those Sun Ra cosmic like explosions. If you came in in the middle of that, this show is called Deep Focus. And we have been listening to this live recording. Miles Davis never released. This is his first time ever playing the Fillmore East. He's on a bill with Steve Miller Band and Neil Young's Crazy Horse. And uh, it's March 6th, 1970. And I've been. Had the great pleasure being here with Scotty Hard and Stephen Bernstein. Thanks for having us. Oh, thanks man, for having guys. us, man. And just think about with think about all the Neil Young fans going, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's okay. So, like that, in what one the? sense, in one sense, this is like the most ordinary jazz band there is. It's a rhythm section of keyboard, bass, and drums. And uh, sax and trumpet up front. It's a classic quintet of the last, the, the, the standard format of the last 20 years, other than Ayerto. On the one hand, also when they play the theme, I mean, that's like, yeah. that was a cliche. That had been a cliche for 20 years then, oh, probably. Yeah. yeah, 25. And yet, you know. Uh, that's, that's, that's the language. Yeah. But check this out. I mean, I think there are recordings from earlier in the summer. Of this band, but maybe not with Dijonette on drums, and they're playing. St- they're playing way more like the way the other quintet played. Hmm. I have a bootleg from France, mm-hmm. and it must be the summer before. I'm, I swear to God, I have one with Dave and Chick, and they're playing. You know, they take it out, but they're playing the old repertoire. Yeah, well, they're yeah. playing Stella by Starlight and things like that. Right, but I don't know if Jack's on. On drums on that. I get the feeling it's a different drummer, but it's been a long time since I've listened to it. Yeah, and uh, reading up on this a little bit, and they've saying that, you know, it was Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, the, the actual record, and that later on, and with no names, and later on it was, they actually put names on when they released it, but what Tio told me was it was all just from the same night. <laughs> And he said, oh, "I was just a gimmick," and <laughs> yeah. and and uh, could even just be 
for a very practical reason that that was the only night where the technical crew got it right or right. whatever. But he was just like, no, I thought that up. I just thought it would be cool to like do that. But, you know, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, yeah. Saturday night. But it was, yeah, so, it was all from the same night. That's so classic. That's so Tio. And, you know, Tio, I mean... <laughs> I, I didn't know him well, but I just heard it was so amazing because he was such an incredible musician. And you understand, he's working on a deadline. It's not like the way we work now. This guy was a staff producer. And one time I, when we were working with him, I said, oh, Tio, I'm going to go, I don't know if I was playing or go see my friend uh, Bobby Previtt over on it was Thursday nights or Wednesday nights. He goes, you know, he plays Bitches Brew at the Knitting Factory, the tap bar. And Tio goes, why would anyone want to do that? And I realized <laughs> that for Tio, I'm sure he felt like British Brew was like, yeah, I had, I had to cut a record of it. And I had to, like, not cut a record, but I had all this material. I made a record of it because I had to get it done because the next morning I had a Barbra Streisand session. Right. You right, know what right, I'm saying? It was yeah. his job. I mean, it was his art, but it was also his job. And he would think of these so creative, came up with this stuff. But, you know, he was doing this as a staff producer, man. Tio Macero, T-O-T-E-O-M-A-C-E-R-O. Curious listeners might want to take a look among Miles Davis, which was one of many Columbia artists. Columbia was one of the labels through 60s, 70s, and far beyond. And uh, Tio Macero had a lot to do with the shape and sound of the label at that time. And uh, as you said, Scotty Hart, a founding influence in your yeah. creative thinking. What what else do we want to leave the folks with? Uh, did it did this change your thinking, Stephen, about the way you oh. take the stage and present a band at all? Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, Miles of the Fillmore, the whole idea of those kind of changes that just became well, why wouldn't you do that? You know, my whole thing with music is like, why wouldn't you use all the good ideas? So you heard that, like I tell people, like you can't unhear the Beatles, you can't unhear things. You can't unhear, I couldn't hear unhear Don Cherry, I couldn't unhear Defunct. Once I started hearing more and more music, it all became part, and those kind of changes were always, to me, you know, after hearing the way Don and the Art Ensemble and Rasan, and then this music, which I didn't get to hear live, but heard so many times on record under so many influences, under so many stars, outdoors in the Redwoods. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and I gotta give it up to Scott, because when Scott produced the first Sex Mob record, it was interesting when the first big write-up we got was in the New York Times and it was about the sound of the record. And what Scott did was he created these, not just what these guys are doing, which is quick cuts, but sonic cuts too, you know. So I think this whole thing opened up for what everyone called jazz musicians, people who play trumpet with a rhythm section, gave them uh, a chance to deal with sound. Remember we were talking about with Wayne, we were talking about his, his soloing, like he's barely playing any notes. That last tenor solo Wayne takes, I mean, there's barely any notes there. That's all sound. That's all, we were talking about Hendrix. I don't know if we talked about it on the radio, but Hendrix broke it open. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it just was texture and sound and feedback and, and extra musical things that have now become part of the language. Studio craft. Too, he was sure. You listen to his studio albums and their his relationship with Eddie Kramer and the way they used the studio to create that sound. It wasn't just what he's doing with his fingers. And oh, and he—I mean, he was a pioneer. Like, I mean, it, it's funny. Like, 
guitar players being the pioneers of sound, Les Paul inventing multi-track recording, and then Hendrix pushing the envelope with all kinds of backwards tape stuff and all kinds of different, um, you know, he that you know he built the Electric Lady, he built his own studio so that he could just never be uh, at the mercy of of okay, it's time to go. You know, and, and the, of course the relationship between Miles Davis and Jimi Hendrix and the influence they had upon each other has been remarked upon at length. So, uh, but it's yeah, it's a one, factor in this. One of those it, it it never happened, but if it had, but you do know that Jimmy did jam with Sam Rivers. I have heard that Sam told me himself, man. Jimmy brought him up to Woodstock. In fact, I even heard him talking about it on KCR, one of the probably Sam's last interview here. He talks about it, but he talked to me about it too. Talked about how his life could have, would have changed, like if he had decided to go in that direction. But um, when we were talking about listening to Wayne. Remember, I said to you, man, he sounds because yeah. you know. And you think about Dave Holland, who became Sam Rivers' bass player, and at one point Wayne's playing so out, and it's like, yeah, man, that, that sounds. I mean, Wayne's playing so out. I said that sounds like Sam Rivers. It's like he's just taking it so to the edge yeah man well talk about if you're going to play out you should sell out because otherwise <laughs> you want people to buy the out so please for those of you who play out make sure to sell your out so people can buy your out speaking of yes yes uh scotty hard stephen bernstein sex mob the hard way available right now on the label corbett versus dempsey yes and uh, you, we didn't even talk about the guests that are on this album either. You got oh, John Medeski, DJ Olive, and our favorite uh, MacArthur Genius winner, Vijay Iyer. Yes, and Scott has produced many records for Vijay. Yeah, and he's been on Deep Focus a number of and times. I was, too. I'm sure he has. Yeah. And, and he and he is focused, my friend, as well as Deep. Yes. Unlike <laughs> us, he's focused. Yeah, hardest working man in showbiz. That guy. He, yeah. I, the the number of projects that he does, and you know, he's writing for a symphony, and then the next thing he's doing a trio record with Shazad and Arouge, and it just it it never stops. You know, he's he's in a force. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. And uh, Friday at New Blue. I'm playing with a band called Embers. Or Embers. Ember. Ember. And Monday at New Blue. Monday at New Blue with Otros Estado. With special guest, 99-year-old Marshall Allen. Amazing. Rodrigo Amazing. Brandown, Scotty Hard, Kenny Wallison, DJ DVDZ on the ones and twos. These shows, by the way, are Deep Focus Approved. Hello. That's nice to be that. <laughs> That's right. That's, not everybody gets that. No. I got to tell you. Uh, it has been an uplifting, eye and mind opening experience being here with you guys tonight. Likewise. Thank you for coming uh, through. We, I, we love what you do we here. We love Mitch. what you do. Thank we you. love Keep everything about it. you except for the ribs that you brought to Alvin <laughs> Creed's oh, in Chicago. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I am not. Get out. Get out of the studio. Yeah, Mitch right brought now. some ribs to Alvin Queen that Alvin Queen just couldn't deal with. So that, I, just, I stand by those ribs, man. Uh, Three uh, anchors. Uh, that place. <laughs> Alvin Queen. Well, He's he. I don't know. I I I respect him. He's from the next town over from where I grew up. But I think he's been in Europe a little too long. I oh, think he's good. lost his barbecue edge. If he okay. didn't, think we're in trouble. Yeah, we're in yeah, trouble. There you go. Let's play. So we should play a little miles before we out here. Yes. Yes. Okay. Bonus, bonus gift for you bonus guys. Gift. Got a little something extra. A spicy little number, and uh, it's actually about a month later 
at the Fillmore West. Fillmore West. So Miles has forged this bond of mutual terror with Bill Graham. And uh, Bill Graham sets up this bill. Miles is not just the opening act. He's a co-bill with the Grateful Dead. It's April 9th, 1970. Again, unreleased. I don't know why. But uh, same band. But as we know, Wayne Shorter has left. Steve Grossman, 18-year-old phenom, playing, I think, just soprano on this one. Yeah, I believe. And um, they're going to take us out. All right. All right. All right. Thanks, Mitch. Thank you, Mitch. Great to be here. My absolute unfettered joy. It's WKCRFM New York, WKCRHD, WKCR.org, 89.9 FM, or, and or, also to find us on the Deep Focus podcast on your favorite listening device. Here's music from Miles Davis at the Fillmore West, April 1970. <laughs>